it's always a um, negotiation and and that's the fun part right there is no best case scenario other than you know everyone doing their part and being open Hi and welcome to the Story of Design podcast. I'm Karina, your host, creator of the Design Story, who truly believes that there is so much more to design than meets the eye. This is a podcast that asks the why around design. We'll dig into designers, creative thinkers, and businesses that have stakes in shaping the future of the design industry. I'm inviting you all to join me in connecting with the effects of good, well thought of design. So let's begin. This episode is sponsored by BioLiving, an innovator in sustainable weaving practices for design and architectural applications. It is such an exciting day today because we have the honor of chatting with Alexis Donier. Alexis is a multidisciplinary architect born in Germany and moved to Bali in 2013. But prior to this, he studied architecture at the Berlin University of the Arts and worked as an architectural designer for Asymptote Architecture, YMA New York, and Rex between 2004 and 2007. With this glaring resume, he then established a holistic architecture and design studio of his own in Ubud, Bali, with a rapidly growing body of work, not just across the Balinese landscape, but also across the world. He's worked with numerous local and international clients on a mixture of residential and commercial projects, and hence has proven to accommodate the different needs and challenges throughout time. Alexis tackles each task in its own matter, problem, and affair, making him constantly formulate new approaches, new forms of expression, new solutions, and also new breakthroughs. So thank you so much, Alexis, for your time to share today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are super excited to hear from the perspective of someone who has lived and practiced all over the world. So um, maybe we can start with uh, the fact that you grew up in Germany and worked in the States for numerous years practicing architecture there. Um, but what triggered you to move to Indonesia? It was actually like coincidence. I was wanting to help a friend of mine on a on an architectural project. He wanted to build his mm. vacation getaway. And I had worked for my design studio in Berlin and this came up and I was I never really thought about like leaving Berlin at the time because it was such a a vibrant spot and creative hub, uh, like it is still, but I, uh, yeah, I just took the opportunity to, to find out something or, or a new place that I hadn't had on the map. And um, so I, yeah, I kind of fe- fell in love with, with, with the country and its people and the way that, that everything looks and feels and smells here. So I, I <laughs> yeah, decided to, to stay here and then um, little by little, other people started asking for help and uh, you know on the architectural realm so yeah and then everything developed from there on and i i decided on shifting my studio completely from berlin to bali 
How did that change your architectural practice over time? I mean, <clears throat> I think architecture is a lot about organizing, you know, constraints and facts and events around the task. And it, it doesn't really matter where you are. It's just more about like how you tackle and how you organize your architectural design process. So it was for me, you know, not so much of a difference um, working here uh, as, you know, the, the design process very sort of structured in a, in a, in a, in a classical sense. And, and, I, and I, so I wasn't really so much sort of influenced by something new, um, but actually, of course, the, the tropical environment dictates like a very specific sort of language and a very specific um, physics or on physical uh, demand on, on architecture. So that's why, yeah, like just the major part of, of our body of work is, is in a tropical environment. So, but I'm very keen, of course, to apply what we have learned to, to other uh, climates, countries, environments, and, um, so yes, so that was on the on the sort of exterior uh, impacts of this land, and then right. but then on the cultural end, I I really um, I was greatly influenced by the people of of Bali and Indonesia, and just like the common perception on work and 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 planning and as architecture is a lot about planning and simulation. There's, there's a very different perception, a different mindset on these two phenomena. So uh, sometimes these clash, sometimes these create challenges. You know, we, we have to manage our expectations on site when constructing buildings, uh, working with contractors, you know, it's different languages. I feel that, that these challenges were great to, to, to find a really good basis between kind of being open to improvisation, alterations, adapt uh, adaptability, at the same time pursue yeah, a strong plan or a concept in each, in each of the projects. So there is a lot of wiggle room that, that needs to be in order for a project to succeed both on the actual outcome or the actual building but also on how to work with each other as teams, you know, between right. contractors and between clients. So there's, there needs to be a high level of flexibility. I feel the ability to adapt and improvise is something that you can do here much better, at least in the scale that we're mostly operating in. And that was very, refre very refreshing on the one hand, but then also very challenging on the other hand. Mm -hmm. because you know, people expect stuff and there's slight deviations and changes that, you know, as a group, we decide to, to, to take on. And yeah, it's a very fluid process in general. And that can be very challenging for, for people at times, including myself. Uh, so most of the cultural reference is in the communication, right? Between the different teams, different collaborators and also the way they communicate their needs and wants, I guess, like you said, the wiggle room and the flexibility, right? As it is sort of a different terrain you're working with right now. Yes, that's correct. I mean, architecture is really, 
probably one of the most complicated uh, things you can do because you, you know you have ideas and everybody depicts ideas differently everyone shapes their own reality so even if we're seemingly talking about the same thing it's not it's like in any relationship it's may it might not be the same thing it might be similar might be like closer to similar and further away to similar so a lot of communication is required um and 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 also a lot of giving in is requ required so the the office culture has like has developed in a sense that we take you know everyone in the team like very very seriously and and everyone can contribute including the clients and and that is something that that sort of yeah shaped this office culture into instead of working for people we work with people and mm. and instead of contractors working for us we are working with them and we're together finding you know solutions for, for things and it might may not be the most conventional way uh you know of doing uh you know schematic design design development construction mm. drawings then we start uh then we start the design uh, the, the construction process so there, there are many there are many ways of shaping your design and building process and many people improvise uh, while they're building and and of course mm -hmm. that can that can um result in great and amazing outcomes and that but that also requires a certain certain openness for for all parties involved no i so agree actually that um there are no boundaries in architecture because um one second you might be designing a space but that's very same second you are actually also designing rhythm you're also designing experiences memories so it can crawl to a lot of different things um but is there anything in the tropical setting that sort of helps your sustainability efforts toward architecture well sustainability is a is a big word right like and we're far from you know being able to call ourselves you know, sustainable architects or architectural design practice um, but what we have an impact on is 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 how big are the footprints you know how do we negotiate with clients that have expectations how how can we remind them that whatever they do out of whatever material it, it has an impact and the less they do the kind of better it is because the less resources are required um, to use so whether that be money, material, uh, and out of out of the material category, you can say, okay, you use this material, you'll have less carbon footprint than if you use this. So it's actually engaging with the with the uh, client and making them helping them to be aware of, of certain decisions that they that they are taking when they're pursuing their you know is it their dream house or their their your business uh, vessel, however yeah. that may look like. So I feel a lot is about communication. And, you know, if you use a, a little bit less of something, you know, that might be the first step of, of, of being more conscious and aware of how to spend resources available. And then, of course, you know, if you use uh, fast growing resources like bamboo, you you have 
probably the lowest footprint ever, but then that often clashes with the sort of Western or perception on lux luxury and comfort mm. that most people are trying to uh, get when, when they're asking for, for, for architecture. So it's, it's always a um, negotiation and it's, and that's the fun part, right? There is no best case scenario other than, you know, everyone doing their part and being open to having things a little bit more compact and, uh, you know, spending a little bit more money possibly on reclaimed timber as opposed to like fresh cut timber. And, and that is really something that we're trying to do in the project, um, at least work to, to, to a great extent, you know, with rec reclaimed or found wood that has been around and in use for longer. Mm, I see that a lot of it is in educating the client, yeah. Especially when most of the time, maybe a lot of people don't realize this, but clients don't really know what they need or what they want at the core. So maybe they would say that um, I want a lot of wood in the house, but really what they want is warmth. Um, so it is true that when you communicate well with your clients or with your team members, um, you sort of help them realize what they need, really. Then there will be this middle ground. Um, from your experience, how do you sort of come to this middle ground or how do you find the balance between what the client wants and the more sustainable approach in your opinion? Yeah, it's, it's about negotiation, negotiating also, you, you know, what, what I want to contribute as, a, as, as, as an artist, uh, loving architecture and I have my own ideas about space and, and things like that. So I'm negotiating between the part in me that wants this and then another from an entrepreneurial side, uh, you want a fast and, and efficient process on synchronizing with 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 the client in order to generate a an outcome that they they can identify with that they like and then can be streamlined and then pushed to the launching pad right so i i i feel it it's just like everything's a negotiation you negotiate numerous times uh, i don't know how many hundreds of times per day and if you do that either consciously or unconsciously in a and it's right. a practice and it's, a, it's my personal interest to, to be more and more aware of, of, you know, what I'm doing and how I do things. So it's not only about educating the, the, the client, but also remaining in a headspace where you can keep learning and also be inspired by the client. And because especially us as architects, we think at times, you know, we're stigmatized with having to know it all. And that probably closes more our realm and, and, and our space as opposed to really being open, trying to understand, you know, where a person is coming from um, and also where the different motivations inside of us as designers uh, are, are coming from. And every, every day they change, right? So they have everything's in flux and it's just about can we, can we practice a design process that is open to new things and new ideas and, and and, and to other people and 
and to really uh, focus on the best result and the most interesting and exciting result possible, as opposed to just pushing through our own agenda. Yes, as we come to an understanding right before that um, architecture is endless. There are no boundaries to it. And I think this is sort of good and bad. And the bad thing only about it is that it can sometimes be confusing when it practice because you don't know where to draw the line. But the amazing thing about it is that it can be so large to then solve many larger problems as well. So perhaps social, cultural problems. Is this how you see architecture moving forward? I think the, the nature of the architectural training is one that you're, you constitute and you cultivate your mind to be able to tap into many things. You start to put yourself in, in other people's perspective, in other people's heads. And, and I, I feel this is a, a craft that, that, that is very beneficial to understanding systems and understanding events and, and being able to objectively name describe and organize your surrounding or a specific task or challenge or problem that 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 is very beneficial for all sorts of levels on of intervention it doesn't need to be only purely architectural it can be entrepreneurial it can be social as you're saying there's there's just some playful juggling with, with, with constraints and that can be turned into opportunities if organized right for a, for a very precise uh, agenda. So it's fueled by an agenda, by a personal attitude, uh, you know, that, that you're able to explain and broadcast. And I think, you know, if you would derive architectural, the, the essence of the architectural profession into other disciplines, I think that will be very, very beneficial to the other disciplines and vice versa, right? Like when you're coming from, from the world of music into architecture, architecture could greatly benefit from that. And right? we had an amazing project with, with, a, with an artist, a classic, classical composer, uh, you know who who works a the architectural vocabulary like in such a new and different way and and that was just very exciting what he could bring to the table you know just coming from music and understanding flow and understanding uh, rhythm and 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 the story that that we can tell with whatever it is that we're doing with music and architecture or or, or, or social professions or entrepreneurial angles on things. So I feel that this is why architecture is, is so amazing because you can transpose your knowledge into other, into other disciplines and uh, vice versa, if you're open. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's why they say it's important to have design thinking, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. This is sometimes overlooked, yeah, I think, as architects begin to develop um, their aesthetic goals instead of really taking the time to understand the client, understand the needs, and understand the problem. 
And it is only when you treat each project differently in its own scope, its own needs, and its own problems that you will get the most out of the result and you find the most fascinating solutions out of it. Right, correct. I feel that, you know, if there's anything that, that we are very interested in is that we, we're not trying to push, or I'm not trying to push like a brand in, in terms of form and shape. What, what I'm more in is, is remaining agile and adaptive enough to constantly change um, both method and outcome of an architectural process. Like, so you change, you know, as, as individuals are all different, you, you change yourself and that requires that you remain uh, very flexible also with what you depict as your oeuvre or like your say body of work. Um, it, it, it's, it can be very constraining, let's say Zaha Hadid architects, for example, they can, I feel they can only do Zaha Hadid architecture. <laughs> so it's very hard, but I feel we could do that, and but we could do Fai well, Otto or Joran Utsan or like whoever it is, like, you know, because we have the liberty and the freedom to choose uh, together with all the with all the partners and the team and the budget available and the location and the expression and the symbol and the icon of what the architecture can become then we can choose from all this what all these people have done before and they've worked so hard and really crystallizing their own their own uh, you know language and their own agenda but then if i think of Mies van der Rohe or frank lloyd wright it seemed like almost so limited in yeah. in their in their way yes representing their time and their agenda but if we could become and be all the all these people and and do a mix of all these people depending on you know what is most suitable for the task then i think we achieve a lot of freedom in the work that we do so you see architecture as a process rather than um, I wouldn't say it's not a profession, but maybe it's not a fixed title, right? Architecture is not a fixed title. Instead, it is a process of learning, negotiating. It is definitely the same sort of phenom phenomenon of change that is represented in architecture. Although we think, you know, as we look at a building, it looks very, it's very static and traditionally it's very takes a long time to build. It's very sort of, it's not like tech or, or, or an application that you can just write over, you know, a course of a few weeks and then it's done. It's, it's something that takes time, but even there you see how, how everything just gets overformed and overformed and changing and experimentation and two, two steps to the front, forward, one step back, that there's always movement, right? We always, I think about architecture differently every day and I probably think about it differently after our conversation and I think there's nothing wrong with that and, and, and I don't want to waste time trying to, you know, find my way it, because there is mm. not my way. There's just something like this ongoing stream of, of, of what is just happening uh, all the time. So 
So, so being aware of that makes one less anxious about having to protect something. You just like open and remain open and listen to people, and, which is harder than one might think. That's amazing. I think all this really changed our view towards uh, practicing architecture and obviously the scope of what it can do. Um, yeah, so thank you so much, Alexis, for this. Thank you, Karina. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please connect with us on our website and social media. Our Instagram is the design story with two Y's because one Y was already taken. But in all seriousness, we would really love to hear from you. So shoot us feedback, questions, and share with your friends. If this is your first time on Story of Design, welcome to the community. Subscribe and leave a review if this motivates you in some ways. Take care and stay inspired.